everyone. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. We're here with another recruiting update for the Michigan State Spartans for the 2024 and beyond teams. Uh, just as a reminder, it, please be sure to support the show. You can go to tffinots.com support. There you can give one-time donations via PayPal or Venmo. Uh, as Neil, Niels DeCow gave us, uh, thanks so much, Niels, for your support for the show. Really appreciate it. Oh, well, I know who that is. Okay. <laughs> I don't, anyway. so that's great. <laughs> thanks a lot, Niels. He's, he's uh, well, I think he's currently Texas Top 100 is the the oh. poster name on Spartan Mag, but very cool. um, he used to go by Amy. Nils is a very plugged in guy. Super. Well, thanks a lot, Nils. I appreciate you tuning in and for supporting the show. Uh, all the support really helps a ton. It helps us keep things running for sure. Uh, just as a reminder, if you are a supporter at Patreon, uh, where you can give a recurring monthly uh, gift to the show, you if you're at the Cleves level, uh, you qualify for a free gift every once in a while. And we just sent out another t-shirt for all the folks there, but we're also going to have more contests. And so if you are anywhere in the Patreon supporter ring from the Scott Skiles, $5 a month to, uh, the Draymond Green, $10 a month supporter or the Cleves or Magic Johnson, you can, you're eligible. So at the end of this month in August, uh, we'll have a random drawing and another one person will get a gift card for a shirt from Nudge for a logo shirt from our show. So if you want to hop in, this is a good time to do it. Uh, also, um, well, I guess that's pretty much it, I suppose. I guess the uh, the only other thing to say is that if if you want to support the show in other ways, the great ways to do it is just leave a five-star review on your podcast player and make sure you tell other of your fr- friends about our show and recommend it to them. So we're going to talk about recruiting, which is always a popular thing, especially kind of the dead season, whereas we're entering football season. But things are starting to heat up a little bit. And so as you may recall... There are two commitments already for the 2024 Michigan State Spartans. Kurtang out of, I guess, New Hampshire, right? Uh, and then Jesse McCullough. Yeah, let, let, let's talk about those two okay. guys for a second before we move on, just to kind of reframe sure, we'll it. start with Kurtang. We haven't talked, yeah. yeah, we haven't talked about him since, you know, AAU season was really underway. Kurtang had a fantastic, and I, I am not guilty of hyperbole (laughs) spring and summer in AAU. He played in some national camps, his shooting. He always had a reputation as a good shooter, but this is a kid who in, he was named the, uh, the M I believe the MVP of Adidas's three SSB summer circuit. He shot some crazy number. I believe it was 49% from three. And on heavy volume. Um, So he came into the spring with a reputation as a good shooter. And I think he exits it, the the AAU season, as one of the best shooters in the country from distance. (laughs) And then you add to that the fact that he's also got a good mid-range game. He's physically put together well enough that they think he'll be able to translate from that perspective pretty early. And they like his defensive versatility. And, and you were talking about a great addition. Um, and MSU is going to need perimeter guys most likely next year. 
you know, we'll talk about that probably a little bit more as we move into the rest of this discussion. But, um, you know, you would, if you're betting, you would be betting on them needing several perimeter guys uh, to add to this roster for next season. And I think Curtang is going to be a guy who has an outstanding chance to be in the rotation as a freshman. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you can never have too many shooters. <laughs> People can score. Yeah. The thing I like about him though, is that he's, you know, I'll use the cliche. He's not just a shooter. Like right. he does other things really well. Also the fact that he's an elite three point shooter apparently is just, uh, icing on the cake. So I, you know, I guess the, the one thing, the trepidation I always have when I hear these shooting statistics from players, you know, coming in that they're great shooters and then they get to Michigan state and they don't seem to always live up to the hype. How confident are you versus like say a foster lawyer or, um, I'm trying to think of some other players who, you know, we thought were great shooters and I guess, you know, foster lawyer is a great shooter. Just, you know, foster lawyer shot pretty well when he was, when he was healthy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I think guys generally translate pretty well at Michigan state. I mean, I guess somebody would have to, to point out an example. So, you know, maybe somebody like a Russell bird, right, somebody yeah. like that, but Kurtang is a different level of, of recruit. I think, um, you know, uh, if anything, I think sometimes we've seen guys come in and early on they were a little better than we thought they might be. Like Jaden Akins is a freshman. Right. You know, shooting was something that was there, but it wasn't necessarily a consistent tool. And he shot very well as a freshman and lights out last year as a sophomore. Um, Cassius Winston, shooting was the big knock on him, supposedly. He was pretty good even as a freshman, and then he became elite as his career unfolded. So no, I, I think in Kurt Tang, I mean, I'm, let's, let's put some parameters on it. I'm not ready to bet my life that he shoots 40% plus as a freshman. <laughs> yeah. There might be variability there, but when you're as good a shooter as he is, I think the odds that it translates at a reasonably high level right away are pretty good. And he's got some size too, right? So you're not, you're not that six, five, right. Exactly. You're not someone who's going to have as struggle as much to get an open shot or at least yep. have people who he can shoot over. Right. So that will help as well. Right. And that's something like when you mentioned somebody like lawyer, he doesn't have the issues that foster. Exactly. Had. Yeah. So then let's talk about Jesse McCullough. We had mentioned briefly, I think, uh, I think maybe Trey Holloman mentioned his interview, but that he was actually on campus. He was at yep. Moneyball and he got interviewed there and yep. the person interviewing him, and I don't remember who it was, but he definitely said, yeah, he's all of six eleven. Uh, so let's yep. just talk, refresh people's mo- uh, memory a little bit about McCullough. You know, uh, had a, had a decent spring and summer, his team, despite having a lot of talent, particularly a couple of 2025 guys we'll talk about in this episode later who were playing up. Um, but they didn't have a great year as a team. They didn't qualify for Peach Jam. But when I I watched him, I think three times this spring um, in in EYBL for Spice Indy Heat, and I think he's got a chance to be a really nice player for Michigan State. You know, the size is there, but yet he's got the kind of mobility and perimeter potential that I'm not ready to lock him in as a five by any means. I think he could be, he could be a four man somewhat similar in some ways to Xavier Booker, for example. Now there are differences. He doesn't have 
the athleticism or the ball skills that Booker has. And that's why McCullough is a guy ranked in the back half of the top 100 as opposed to, you know, top 10, Mm -hmm. 15 way Booker was. But I think in terms of the combination of size and versatility, there's some comparisons there. He looks like he could be a pretty good defensive player and uh, he seems to be bought in. So um, I, I obviously I like the addition and, and truthfully, Michigan State probably only needed, at least at this point, the way the roster looks, they probably only had to have one post player. And so when they got McCullough, I think that turned a lot of the heat down in terms of, well, we got to get somebody. Right. You know, because they, again, you never say never in this day and age, but <laughs> For when sure. you look at Michigan State's post group right now, the only guy that's a certainty to leave after this year is Malik Call. And, you know, there's a possibility Madi Sissoko could go. Certainly somebody younger could transfer or turn pro. But for right now, that's an area that's reasonably looks like it will be reasonably well stocked for next season. So McCullough's a nice addition in that he's a guy who has real potential and certainly I think has a chance to develop into a very good, very versatile big man. But they're probably not going to be in a position next year, one can hope at this point, where they need big minutes from him. So I think he's going to get an opportunity to grow and develop. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the roster next year, as you may you may envision it, of course, as you mentioned, you know, 100 caveats of what can happen, but right. likely Sissoko graduates and leaves, but of course he can come back for his COVID year, so who knows? Uh, like you said, Hall's going to be gone. Most likely Booker will still be here. You'll have Kohler and Cooper likely still here. And so you have, especially McCullough could maybe play a little bit either four or five, you know, if he's got the mobility. You can yep. have see some. There's some real versatility within that. Those four four guys that they can probably play either position four or five, to, with various you know levels of skill and sort of things that they bring to the table. And I, I'm I'm not prepared to assume that Madi Sissoko leaves either. Sure, Madi Sissoko could return. This is the last year this coming season where guys have the option of a COVID season. Yeah, and I, I think it's way too early to tell on that front. Um, as to what he might do. For sure. For the spec- you could speculate and say, well, from an NIL perspective, as a foreign uh, player, it's probably easier for him to go and make some money somewhere else, But which if, if that's his goal. you know. But who knows? Uh, either way, I think, well, it just time will tell. But I think the point is, is that Michigan State is not desperate for another person at this point. Exactly. Way things look. And exactly. so they, they're probably well set. Exactly. All right. So then that's two players coming in to the next class, uh, assuming, you know, they sign, which again, the other caveat is that these are commitments. They're not people who are signed, Yeah, I don't, I don't but I don't get the impression that either guys. of these guys no. don't strike me as the type who are no. heading elsewhere or that they're going to be affected much by roster change at this point. Um, no, I, I think they'll, they'll sign in the fall. And I, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned. Right. These, these were two guys who were high on Michigan state for a long time. Yeah. And well, and they signed and and they commit- so early too, right? I mean, that's right. Just, yeah. Their commitments. Yeah. Their commitments were not surprising. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And they're not like number one at their class where, you know, the commitment you've right. like money baits where you're like, well, you know, who knows what happens when actually the whole signing day comes, uh, you know, a year from now. And you, and you also probably don't have to worry about, G League or or yeah. overtime elite coming in either with yeah. these two. So let's talk about a couple 2024 targets still left for Michigan State. Uh, like we said, they have probably are going to want to bring in one or two more guys. Be the expectation. 
Uh, so yeah. we'll start with Jace Richardson, son of Jason Richardson, former uh, national champion, a uh, 6'3 combo guard. So Michigan State, his, he's, he plays out west in, I think, does he live in California or Nevada? I think Vegas, right? He lives in Las Vegas. Yeah, so he's out west and you know doesn't have any Midwest ties outside of his dad, specifically. Uh, right. They, but Michigan State, I think initially, it didn't look like there was a whole lot of interest from him in Michigan State, I think, but at least the last nine months or so, it seems like there's more interest or at least Michigan State is giving the impression that they've got, that they're really in on this recruitment and they have a good chance at it. He's only taken one official visit, which was last fall. So just a little inside a year ago, and that was to Michigan State. Um, now, he just recently indicated he's going to take officials to Alabama and Cincinnati this fall for sure. Um, but I don't believe there are specific dates on those. So there's some uncertainty there. The other interesting thing to me is all the way along, it, it seemed that the primary competition on this one seemed to be from Arkansas. And the connection there is Eric Musselman coached his dad, Jason Richardson, in the NBA with the Warriors mm -hmm. for a period. So, you know, that's kind of the the response from Arkansas to Izzo, of course, having a relationship with Jason Richardson right. through MSU. Um, and, uh, and look, um, I wish he were more assertive in these things, <laughs> but the sense I've gotten all the way along from Jason Richardson is he is a guy who stays very neutral yeah. um, when it comes to his relatives, because, you know, as some may remember, Tugs Bowen, is a relation of his. So is Ty Rogers. And, you know, Michigan state was involved in both those recruitments didn't end up getting either one. And, you know, certainly you never heard anything about Jason really stepping up and hitting the stump for MSU. And truthfully, I haven't heard that about recruiting for his son either, but obviously Michigan state's in it heavily. Uh, Michigan State, if if you look, uh, we might as well cover this. If you look at the current roster, you have Tyson Walker, who definitely will be gone. And then you have the other two starters. A.J. Hogard could opt for a COVID year as well. Mm -hmm. We mentioned that with Mahdi. He could do that as well. Jaden Akins is a junior, so he would have eligibility as well. But I think right now, if you were betting, you would probably be inclined to bet those guys are not there next season. Now things can change. You know, I, I could see Jaden Akins feeling like, you know what, one more year where Tyson's gone and I'll be the unquestioned all the time. Alpha dog. Number one option will do me good. You could even see it with Hogard, but right now I'm assuming that all three of those guys are going to be gone. That's my default subject to change. Right. Yeah. So if that's the case, what do you have coming back for next season? Again, assuming nobody transfers, which is, you know, questionable to assume, <laughs> yeah, but we're yeah. going to go with it. You, Jeremy fears will be a sophomore. Trey Holloman, our guest last week will be a junior. And then you have on the wing, you have Garrick Norman returning for a sophomore year. And depending upon how you count Cohen Carr, and I do think they want to play him at least some of the time, if not primarily on the wing, mm -hmm. he'd be the other guy. Yeah. So that that's only four guys for three spots. So I think you need minimum two and really maybe preferably three guys for next, for next spring. Now you've got one 
already in curtain, but you need, you probably need again, at least one and preferably two guys. And I think they'd like one to come from the high school ranks. So Jace Richardson is somebody they have sunk a lot of time into. Um, he's been receptive after, as you say, the initial assumption that I had based on things I had heard was, well, you know, he's, he has no, as you mentioned, no connection to the Midwest himself. Um, I know his dad is not somebody, you know, as opposed to like, if Mateen Cleaves, son ends up being a recruit, I mean, I expect he's going to do what he has to do for his kid's interest, but I think push comes to shove. I have a hard time believing Mateen Cleaves isn't going to be out there hammering away yes. on Michigan State's behalf. Right. You know, yeah. I just do. <laughs> Jason is not that kind of personality from what I've been told. So, um, you know, his son will, they'll make what they think is the best uh, decision in his best interest period. But it does look like that could dovetail very nicely with Michigan state because, you know, we see now Tom Izzo has always been someone who was not afraid to have multiple ball handlers on the same roster. You know, you can go back to Kalen Lucas and Corey Lucius playing together. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's happened since then. And this year's team it's happened. So I think the idea of fitting him, someone like him who has the ability to play on the ball, but also has a scorer's mentality could be really good with putting him with Jeremy fears and with, um, Trey Holloman, that would be a real positive for Michigan state. Um, he's, if you haven't seen him play, he's, he had a very good, another guy like Kurt Tang. Jace Richardson had a really good year in EYBL playing for Paul George elite. So he did nothing but enhance his stock after he had been injured for a lot of the, the high school season when he was at Bishop Gorman. Um, but he's, he's legit. I believe, and a listener can contact us and let me know if I've got this wrong, but I believe they announced that he's transferring and he's going to play in Florida with the Boozer twins, Carlos Boozer's sons who are in the 25 class and are very, very highly regarded players. So Jace is, I believe, leaving Las Vegas, as no pun intended, <laughs> um, for uh, for next season. But, um, yeah, when you look at it, competition, Arkansas, although I do find it interesting that there's no visit on tap. He's visited there unofficially, but there's no visit on tap. And the two that he talked about, for this fall are Alabama and Cincinnati, not Arkansas, which is weird to me. Maybe it's just timing and they're going to work it out. But right now, you know, it feels like Michigan state sits in a pretty decent spot with him. And, um, you know, I, I would not be surprised if they get Jace Richardson, but we've got to see. And I think the fit would be great. He's not just so, you know, just wrapping up on what he's like as a player. He's a good athlete. He's not his dad. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not going to have competition for Colin Carr in, in, uh, the dunk, uh, the dunk <laughs> category on this team, but he is a very good athlete. He's certainly a guy. I think he's very comparable to a guy like Jeremy fears in that, in that area, you know? Uh, so, you know, I, his, uh, it sounds like he sort of is a little bit like his dad in the sense that I feel like maybe you're just reserved or at least place keeps his cards close to the chest. Right. And so, yes. And so that may yes. give you the impression like, Oh, he doesn't, he's not interested where it may just be, he's just kind of weighing things out and doesn't want to get, 
maybe he doesn't want to make people feel bad. I mean, all kinds of reasons why people might be that way. So yeah. it's easy to interpret it one way or the other if you're sort of excited about someone and, and getting someone there. And so I think on. that's I think that's all true. But I, I, I will tell you, my impression is that Michigan State has really, really recruited him hard, which is great because what that means is they didn't approach this as, oh, well, it's a legacy kid. So, of course, he's interested in us. You know, yeah. it, it's, it seems as if they really treated it like it was any other recruitment of a guy they identified that they really want. And they went after, they've gone after him hard. And, you know, again, it won't be a shocker if he did go elsewhere, but I think, you know, Michigan state fans should probably feel pretty good about that one right now from what I understand. But until you get a signature, you know, and, and and we don't know timeline either. He hasn't, he hasn't specified that he's going to commit in the early period or not. Well, I feel like every time I contact Thomas Kelly, he's returning or heading towards Las Vegas, or he's there. <laughs> so I don't know why else he'd be there if, unless he's. Well, there have been there are there are AAU events that have that are played in Vegas, like in July. So it might be that, but it might also be related to Jace Richardson yeah. too. I'm sure you wouldn't go out there and not make that as part of your stop as well. All right, so moving on to Bryson Tucker. Now, this is an interesting one. Six six guard from Baltimore. Um, I guess I'll just let you kind of go through this because he is, uh, to say the least, he has an interesting, uh, sort yeah. of interesting background as far as far as how this has worked out in sort of his high school career. And as far as I know, there's no relation to Mel Tucker. Right. No, no relation. His dad actually played basketball at NC state and was a big man. He was like six ten, post player. Bryson is like a six, six. I guess you'd call him a guard. I, I don't believe he's a point guard, but he could play some with the ball in his hands, and that seems to be something he wants to do. So maybe maybe a comparison to somebody like a Max Christie. He's bigger physically than Max was, but you get the drift. Yeah. Um, an elite talent. I mean, he's long been considered a top 10, 15 guy in his class. And it's it's a weird one. Because of how how his Where does he career play has unfolded, he doesn't play. <laughs> yeah, AU. right. Yeah, and that's and I, and I will say this: his profile, in a couple of senses, in that sense, and also how heavily involved his father is in everything that seems to go on, it reminds me of no one more than Marcus Taylor. Marcus Taylor's story was exactly the same. Now, one big difference. Marcus Taylor played his high school basketball at Lansing Waverly for four years. Never thought, and, and prep schools weren't quite what they are now, mm-hmm. but there were options. Kids did go to places like Oak Hill and places like that. And, and that never happened with Marcus. Um, but those other elements do remind me some, it's just, it's a very, very rare thing that an elite player does not play AAU. You know, and that is the case with Bryson Tucker. It was also a weird high school season last year. So he played for a couple different high schools in the Baltimore area. And then last year went to IMG in Florida and he played their first several games. And then in early December, he just stopped playing. And there was never I could I looked because I actually was in Florida when IMG was, I believe, hosting a tournament in early December. And I had thought about going and then saw that he wasn't playing. So I decided not to go at the time. I figured, well, it's probably an injury. Yeah. Mm, 
doesn't seem to be the case, but there was never any clarity on that. And now, just last week, he announced he's going to be attending Bishop O'Connell, which is a Catholic high school in Northern Virginia. It's in the D.C. area, and they're part of the um, the Washington Catholic Athletic Conference, WCAC, which is one of the best high school basketball conferences in the country. Certainly, if you're looking at schools outside of prep schools, if you're looking at you know traditional high schools, they would be elite. It's the, it's the conference at Damatha, which is a famed yeah mm-hmm. uh, high school for decades. It's the conference they're in. Lots of other uh, high level um, high school Catholic high schools play in that league, and so he'll be playing in that league as well. It's <laughs> again. Another interesting thing about Bryson Tucker, he's already gotten what you would call NIL income. He appeared in an ad campaign for uh, for Under Armour last spring. Again, that's a high school junior yeah. doing that stuff. Given that and where he's from, I would have figured that Maryland was heavily involved, but sure. as best as I can tell, they're not. And so right now, the only place he's visited officially is Michigan State. He visited Michigan State this summer. If you read what he's had to say in interviews, he's he's given some interviews late, very recently, within the last two, three weeks. Prior to that, for months, there was just absolute silence. So this is the first real window into what's going on that's been put out there. And he seems extremely high on Michigan State, extremely high. Um, it looks to me, and again, caveats, things can change, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But right now it looks to me like it's between Michigan state and a pro move, which could be OTE G league or the NBL, the Australian, uh, pro league that has this program that they're doing with high school players. Um, and I don't know which way that turns out. He has also indicated that he's likely to make his decision on what he will do in the spring. So that's not such a bad deal for Michigan State mm-hmm. because that gives time for there to be some clarity on exactly who's coming back. Let's put it this right. way. If a Jaden Akins were to decide that he does want to play another year in college, uh, you probably don't get Bryson Tucker. Sure. Bryson Tucker is going to want to play – somewhere where he's going to have a big role right away. Mm -hmm. And so at Michigan state, that would kind of, excuse me, necessitate that there's an opportunity for that. That wouldn't necessarily be there if one of the veterans decided to come back. Um, But, you know, this way he's not deciding until the spring you wait, see how that sorts out. Um, And then if Bryson Tucker decides to go another route, you've always got the portal there. That you could you could enter to supplement your roster, um, but it's it's an interesting situation to be sure. Now, does the fact that he's playing high school um, instead of let's say going OTE, uh, which he could have done, um, does that mean that other schools get involved? You know, mm-hmm. over the fall and the winter, who knows? But right now. It seems Michigan State has done a very, very effective job of recruiting him. Um, 
there are I, I should note in the interest of fairness that uh, there are some who wonder about the dynamic that his father, you know, he's, he's moved around a lot. Let's put it that way. Right. In terms of high schools. And so there are people who wonder, you know, is, is his father, is this a, and I'm not even going to name names, but we can all recall situations both in the distant past and the very recent past where a heavily involved parent wasn't actually a great thing. Right. For a kid, Michigan state was involved with, you know? Yeah. Um, so you just don't know, but as a talent, hey, there's no question. Bryson Tucker's a big time player. He's a scorer with good length. Uh, I'd say a good athlete, not necessarily a great one. He kind of, I actually watched him a little bit. He was in this under, I think it was Under Armour had some All Star game maybe a week or two ago uh, that was played outside in Atlanta, and because they had rain, oh. half of the game was rained out. So for that for a basketball <laughs> game, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of somebody like a Steve Smith, uh-huh. like that kind of profile, you know, good handle, probably not a pure point guard, but certainly can play on the ball. Good size, good athlete, not a great one. Um, he could shoot a lot of talent though. He'd be a major addition. So, you know, we look at these recruitments for players and I mean, look at the 2024 class and the, or sorry, the 23 and the 22 class, I feel like you had some non-traditional recruitments. Like you had Carson Cooper, but that was almost understandable that it was just kind of a strange and by happenstance that he happened to sort of be available and was willing to come in and do a red shirt. And so it was kind of like the diamond in the rough sort of pickup by Michigan State. And even Cohen Carr and Garrick Norman, to some extent, were kind of off the radar. All of a sudden they came in. This recruitment seems very different in that you have a guy who's not taking a traditional way playing basketball, right? Like not like Fears and Booker who, you know, did the, all the usual things. They played high school or prep ball and then AAU. Right. And you've got a guy who's just kind of saying, I don't know. I mean, I suppose maybe he doesn't want to get hurt. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons you wouldn't do it too, right? I mean, play if you don't feel like you need to in order to raise your profile. I get the sense that um, he's talked about playing with pros a lot in the summer. And I know he's been playing in a Washington DC based pro-am this summer. At least he has at times. I don't know whether he does it consistently. Um, So it probably is a situation, you know, again, I mentioned his father was a good college basketball player. I would expect that there's a lot of what we euphemistically call training going on as opposed to playing AAU and listen, I don't think you can claim that AAU is an unmitigated good and you can't develop as a player without it. Sure. So it could be that they've got the Tuckers have the right path for Bryson. You know, that's entirely possible. I don't think you can, you can look at AAU and say, well, you have to do it. You can't be a great player without it. I don't think that's true. And there are some people who would claim that AAU often does more harm than good. I am not, in that camp, at least not as a blanket statement. I think it's like anything else. They're very good AAU programs and they're very bad ones, but um, yeah, it's a very untraditional story in a lot of ways. Do you, do you think that's something that people should be concerned about? Like he's mentioned, he's been to a bunch of schools or is this one of those things where you trust the coaching staff that they've talked to the the father and you've talked to, 
uh, Tucker, and they've said, okay, these are the reasons. Like, you know, if you if you take have five jobs in five years, you could say, well, this is someone's, you know, has some loyalty issues, but maybe their reasons is like huge step up and, you know, there's different opportunities that the people took advantage of that is not concerning, right? Yep. I, I, I think you have to, I, I don't know, you know, if, if he was a Michigan-based kid, you might, you know, I might have the opportunity for more intel. Yeah. So I could render an opinion I felt on more solid ground with, but I don't have that. So I, I have to take it at face value and say, well, you know, Izzo doesn't like recruiting problems, you know, <laughs> right. and, and look, Bryson Tucker is a guy, if you get him, he's absolutely on a one and done path. I mean, there's no question about that. So, you know, what you're getting into from that perspective, um, but, you know, it, it, MSU has been serious and they've stayed the course through some stuff that from the outside at least looks weird. Like they were recruiting them heavily before the IMG thing happened and they haven't stopped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that tells me they think it's okay. Yeah. Right. Well, that's in that. I mean, it's like it's not like they don't have a track record. <laughs> I understand. I understand the point that I think you're making. And I think a lot of MSU fans would have some trepidation about that as well, because they hear some of the things we're talking about and they think about, you know, they think about Marcus Taylor. Yeah, they right. think about Amani Bates. They think about these kind of situations and at least elements of this story perhaps seem reminiscent of some of those, but you know what? I, ultimately you have to have a belief. I think that Izzo knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well, and I guess ultimately, I guess I'd look at it and say, Michigan state is not the point where they're so desperate that they, that they have to have, you know, like this, it's not like they're, yeah. they're not in a situation where they have no other options. And this is, they'll take, anybody, they'll take anything they can have, even if they're desperate. Like, you know, you looked at Imani Bates and I, you know, I hate to go back to that, but the situation clearly was not good with his father and with the way he wanted to play. And, uh, you know, teams took him, but it was sort of like understanding there's a lot of baggage that comes with them. Right. And so they, but they didn't care because they're just, it's a huge upgrade, even with what they may have on the roster. Michigan State is not in that situation. So you wouldn't right. think that they're, they're just making a desperate move. Like, well, we're just going to keep, you know, following this guy and pursuing him because we just need something, you know, they're not in that I spot. Agree. I agree. All right. So let's talk about the final uh, target of the 2024. And I always say that too, but as far as we know, <laughs> <laughs> since we can be surprised at times. Uh, Aiden Shirell, he's 6'11 center, power forward uh, from Detroit. Uh, he's one who is not in, he's not in Michigan anymore. That's right. He's, he's uh, Arizona. Arizona. That's right. Yeah. He, and, I, and I think he actually, if I remember correctly, he's going to play next season at prolific prep in California, which is where uh former MSU recruit, Josh Jackson, oh, another yeah. player who had a very involved parent. Um, Big 10 country. Played. Yeah, right. Exactly. The Southern California add to the Big well, Ten. Well, I mean, heck, the whole West Coast now is a Big Ten country. Yep. That's right. So what's his game and what are things looking at like out there? He's Look, he's a very good player, and he's a guy who, again, another one of these guys who I think really did himself some good in terms of how he's evaluated with the spring and summer he had. He played for Vegas Elite, was very productive for them in EYBL. Um He's a he's a modern big. He certainly has the size and the strength to play at the five, but he can shoot some. He's a good athlete, so there's some ability to score from different spots on the floor, give you some stretch element. 
offensively that he's a pretty good rim protector and rebounder. Mm -hmm. So he's got all the tools you would like. As mentioned, he's a, he's a Michigan kid. His, his brother, his older brother, I believe played high school basketball with, I'll give you a name from the relatively recent past, a kid named Romeo Weems from new Haven. Uh, I believe he was on their state championship team with Weems, but, uh, Sherell's a really good player and Michigan state certainly wanted him, but they got McCullough. And for the reasons that we've discussed already, it feels to me as if a second post player is very much a luxury. If a kid like Sherell wants to come, you take him because uh-huh. he can play, but I don't feel they need at this point. We might feel differently in the spring and it maybe they would have to go into the portal, but for now, you look at their roster and what you think might be coming back. And it, a second post guy is, again, a luxury, in my opinion. Sherelle uh, was supposed to commit on August 13th, I believe it was. And Alabama was considered to be the heavy favorite. Now, MSU had supposedly made up some ground in the spring and summer, but it was still considered highly likely he'd commit to Alabama. And instead, he decided to postpone his, rec- his decision. Now, initially... It might have looked like, well, maybe MSU's got a better shot. But from what I've seen and and heard, I don't know that I'd expect it to be MSU anyway. I think what's going on is Texas has gotten into the mix, and there's NIL elements in this. Alabama is still a distinct possibility. And then there's also a chance that he goes to the uh, via pro route. Yeah. And he's the kind of kid that I can really see that because, you know, all the reasons I talked about, he's big, he's athletic, he's got ball skills. That's the kind of guy that, you know, you could see the pros being very, very interested in. And so you could see the G League program being interested in making him a member of G League, uh, their, their elite program or overtime elite, same thing, or even an overseas option like NBL. So, it's not determined when he's going to make a decision. I wouldn't rule out Michigan State entirely, but I I would still not think they're the favorites. And he's a yeah, he's a really good player, so it's unfortunate. You'd love to have him, but I just don't think it's very likely. Yeah, and of course the 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 tough part about it is you can't have everyone you like, <laughs> even if you right. want, even if you could, you can't because you have yeah, two hundred minutes fits, and other players. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, so uh, before we go on to 2025 recruits, I just want to point out that awesome gear you can be had at Nudge Printing. We They are printing all our stuff, our hoodies and our T-shirts. You can find that at finalforce.theschedule.com slash merchandise. There you can get them for, uh, and they delivered free shipping. Uh, also, if you want anything else at, I almost said fudge, at Nudge Printing, you go to nudgeprinting.com, and there you can uh, order other Michigan State gear, shirts, hoodies, decals, uh, cornhole stickers, and other schools as well in the state of Michigan. All fantastic quality. I wear them all the time. My, I mean, they're always in the wash. Like every time there's a wash, we have about two or three of their shirts in because everyone's wearing them because they're so comfortable. And they look just like they did when we got them last year. So uh, you can't go wrong with nudge printing, high quality stuff, made for the everyman, uh, the kind of shirt you just toss on and head to the restaurant watch, um, watch the game. So make sure you head on over to nudge printing. Listeners of the show get 20% off if you type in Final Four into coupon code at checkout. Uh, also a reminder that they are helping sponsor our 
contest. And like I said, by the end of the month, if you sign up by Patreon, all the Patreon supporters will be entered in that contest for a chance to win a free t-shirt. All right, so let's move on to the 2025 targets. We'll start with Trey McKinney, 6'4 wing from Flint. And he's played at Orchard Lake St. Mary and is is coming back there for his junior year. Um, this is, uh, Trey McKinney is a very good player. <laughs> he's been a national top 20 level guy for a while now. Played up a level with the fam, originally with Mean Streets, but then he moved over to the family uh, about halfway through EYBL. And so he played up at the 17 under level, even though he's only going into his junior year and played very, very well. He's, he's a guy, when you look at the way he plays, he just, he's, he is built to play for Tom Izzo. He cares about defense. He's physically strong. I mean, this is a strong guard. He's got ball skills, good athlete, maybe not a great one, but a good one, but he just competes. And when you have that combination of a guy with a skill set who plays that hard and that with that much toughness, boy, that screams MSU, right? Yeah. The problem is that it's long been understood that his father is anything but a Michigan State fan. <laughs> and so for a long time, and I'll put myself in this category, I think there was a lot of skepticism about Michigan State being involved with him and the likelihood of them getting him. So, well, this is just one of those that doesn't go their way. But, you know, Tom Izzo generally approaches those kind of situations aggressively. More often than not, especially if it's a kid he likes as a player and as a person, he doesn't let that bother him. He'll he'll go full tilt. And they have been recruiting Trey McKinney full tilt. They had him in, in I believe it was late July, on an unofficial. And, uh, Actually, maybe it was an official visit because there were photos. and everything. Anyway, they had him in a visit. Um, and who knows? I mean, I'm certainly not willing to say that Michigan State is the leader by any means, but there seems to be, you know, Trey admitted to being a Michigan fan growing up because I'm sure because of his dad's sure. influence, yeah, et cetera. Absolutely. But he'd been, he was quoted after that MSU visit about, yeah, but that stuff really doesn't matter anymore because once, and I'm paraphrasing, but once you get behind the scenes and you see how things really are, it can change how you see it, change your perceptions. And so that would lead one to believe, well, Michigan State may have turned some of the tide there. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Michigan State's serious about them. It's, we got a long way to go, but if you get them, I mean, I... I think of him as a more talented, it's a more talented version of the Ty Rogers situation mm -hmm. where I look at the kid, I look at his, his physical tools, his style of play, his skills. And I just think this is a kid that was born to play for Tom Izzo. He's a Michigan kid. He's got all those elements that Izzo appreciates, loves, and wants to utilize. It just makes so much sense, but there are other things that, are at work at the same time. So I would certainly not say Michigan state is in any kind of driver's seat, but are they in a better position that I would have figured they would have been in say a year ago? Yeah, absolutely. Trey's been around a lot. I mean, this was, that was not his first visit to Michigan state. Sure. So you know, it's one to monitor, but if you can get him, he's a great player. 
this is the kind of recruit I imagine you feel like he's going to end up at either, most likely he's going to end up at either Michigan or Michigan State, right? I mean that. Um, No, not necessarily, because I think, I think it could be kind of like Ty Rogers was that maybe in the end, Michigan just doesn't make sense for them. And yet the influences that are anti-Michigan State are just too much to allow for that. Mm -hmm. So he ends up going elsewhere. You know, Ty Rogers shouldn't have gone to Illinois. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to talk about Illinois as we get into the season previews. You know, they're they're supposedly going to play him at point guard, which they're going to ruin the kid. But that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. But it did. Yeah. It's guard. So, it's guard you. You know, I understand how that. Gets. But but I just and I mean, anywhere else. He should yeah, have been right. at Michigan State. Right. It made too much sense. He's a perfect. He's the kind of kid who excels in Tom Izzo's program. He was built for it. And to see that happen, and, and this could be one that ends up like that, the Michigan thing, I don't, and I'm certainly not saying they're out of it with Trey McKinney by any means, but you just, who the hell knows where Juwan Howard's going to be? I, yeah, I was going to say, I I actually think there's a, probably a decent chance, I don't know, more than 50%, that he's not there next season, but we'll see. For sure. Without, without question, I think that, you know, if they don't make the tournament again, is there going to be pressure on the school and the athletic department to cut ties? If they do surprise to the upside, does he take that as an opportunity to get back into the NBA and get out ahead of the posse? Who knows? Yeah, right. But it's not a great situation there in terms of stability, at least looking at it from the outside. And that has to affect recruitments. So we'll see. But um, he's a hell of a player. Yeah. I, I, I got to say that. Well, and for all of those who are worried and lamenting the whole situation, just remember, you didn't always do what your dad told you to do either. So uh, when you're 18 years old. So next is Davian Hanna, 6'5 wing from Milwaukee. And he's coming to visit Michigan State uh, for an official uh, very soon on September 1st. Yeah. Big time, like top 30 guy nationally. And uh, um. That's a that's one that Michigan State has worked very very hard uh, to to get into the mix there, um, and you know he's from the the traditional Big Ten footprint. <laughs> Michigan State uh, has landed some good players from the state of Wisconsin. Corey Lucius, uh, the recently departed Joey Hauser, as examples. Uh, you know, Davion Hanna has, you know, Wisconsin's prioritized him. I think Marquette is definitely involved. Certainly some others in Big Ten country. But uh, the vibe here is very positive. So it'll be interesting once that visit happens in a, in a week and a half or so um, what that does uh, in his recruitment. But it, it feels like this is one Michigan State could be in for real. Next would be Darren Peterson. He's a top five, six, five wing from Ohio. Darren Peterson is a gigantic talent. There are a lot of people who believe he's the best player in Ohio since LeBron. That's high praise. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. And nationally coming, he had, he just had an incredible spring and summer. He played on the, I believe the Adidas circuit, um, and for a program, his dad founded, uh, so don't let the Amani Bates flashbacks uh, <laughs> haunt you. But um, nationally, you know, that's a, that 25 class is really good. And for a while, 
there was um, one of Carlos Boozer's sons and a kid named Cooper Flagg, who's from Maine, who were seen as one, two. And then Peterson generally was considered as a third guy. Now, Flagg is reclassified to 2024. So now Peterson probably is the number two guy nationally. So that gives you a sense of just how good he is. Michigan State's been very much involved in this one, uh, as has North Carolina, as has the home state team, Ohio State. My sense is Michigan State feels pretty good about the recruitment, but um, it's early. And this is another one of these, like Bryson Tucker, where, you know, Darren Peterson is almost certainly going to have professional options too. Right. So it's not even just about beating the other colleges. It's about, you know, does he want to go the college route for a year? And, and I think, look, what, what the last couple of years have told us is that most of the elite kids are still going to go to college. Right. That's been borne out. You, you do have some who go, uh, the G league route, but the G league is not made up entirely of top 10 ranked kids. Now, if you look at some of the guys who've gone into that program, there've been some who were in the twenties and the thirties, you know, mm-hmm. they don't just sweep the top 10. So no way to know where Darren Peterson's going to check out, but as a talent, he, and I hesitate to say this, but the guy that I've heard him compared with most of all is not LeBron. It's Kobe Bryant. They say that his size, his, his body, his skill set, and most of all, his mentality. He's just a killer. So a very, very interesting player for sure. Michigan State's done good early work. He's visited unofficially. Uh, they're definitely in the mix. But where that all checks in when push comes to shove, way too early to know. Yeah, well, that's so another year. out. It, yeah, it's interesting, the whole G League thing, because I think you can make an argument that you – you're almost better off going to college just because your exposure is going to be much better because there's virtually zero exposure when you go to the G League. If you're looking for endorsement deals Correct. and things like late, those things later, I mean, obviously you tear it up in the G League, the NBA will notice you, but uh, you won't. You'll miss all the out on all the other opportunities. That's that's what that's what I've maintained. I mean, I, the example to me is, and uh, if you look, if you look at a kid like Zion Williamson and the experience he had in his one year, yeah. You know, that, that just, now not every kid is Zion and that's the other thing. Sure. There are some, most kids are not, you know, this was the argument I was using around the Imani Bates recruitment, Mm -hmm. if listeners may remember. And I still believe it was, it had a lot of truth to it that, you know, the value of that, when you are that recognizable, when you're going to be that big a deal is worth a lot for the average top 10 kid it might not be worth the same thing. You know, if you're just a very good player, but you're not a guy that, you know, ESPN and Fox are going to plaster all over their ads all, all winter long, maybe it doesn't matter as much. Then again, one other thing that's changed since the Bates recruitment is the introduction of NIL. Right. And so that's changed the dynamic also. It doesn't have to be an either or. You know, financially, you can do well by doing your year in college. So it's just it's way too early to tell. But Peterson is definitely a guy who is going to have those kind of options. So much like the Bryson Tucker, let's talk about another interesting one. Uh, Darius Acuff, uh, 6'2 point guard from Cast Tech, who you've been very high on for a long time. And 
and if there's anyone who's I think frustrated you as, as far as recruitment, this one certainly seemed to frustrate you initially early on, just because you were, yeah, just because of. But I'm beginning. Okay, go ahead. Um, it's it's beginning to clarify as to why. But my, my frustration was that Darius Acuff had a great sophomore year at Cas Tech. He ended up winning a state championship, Class A, or Division One. Now they call right, it right. Be careful, Class A. <laughs> we'll call it Class A. Um, state champion. And then he went into the spring with the family playing up a year, playing 17 under instead of 16 under and was just tearing it up, just absolutely killing people. And Michigan state, you know, you had schools like Kentucky and Kansas and Michigan all offering and Michigan state had not offered. I didn't understand it because normally, even if it's a recruitment like Trey McKinney is offered forever ago. Yeah. You know, that was one that supposedly Michigan State had no chance. They still offered. They hadn't offered a cup, and it just, it took them a while to do it. And it was very strange to me. But I got to say, at least to date, not a lot of talk about Darius Acuff. He just recently, there was some word out, he's going to Kentucky's, what do they call it, Big Blue Madness, their Midnight Madness event. And it sounds like Kentucky is a school he's enamored of. Also, Michigan uh-huh. is in there, although, I, again, for the same reasons as with Trey McKinney, I, I just I don't know if I would expect that Michigan's going to be able to land him. There's just not a lot of talk about Michigan State. So I, I've kind of gotten to the point that I've just accepted that um, they're probably not going to be heavily in it with ACUF, but we'll see. It's still early enough. He also transferred out of the state. He's going to play at IMG. Uh this this coming year uh in florida so um he's not going to be in a position where he can make you know decisions to come in for a quick unofficial on a game day on a on a saturday in january you know that's that's just not going to be viable so that also makes it tougher um to uh to imagine that michigan state you know makes up a lot of ground but um very talented kid he was arguably as good as any point guard in EYBL during the, the regular season, so to speak. He did not play as well in, once they got to Peach Jam in July. But look, this is still a guy who's got a lot of ability. Um, he's the best point guard produced by the state of Michigan since Cassius Winston. That's for sure, in my opinion. And I don't think too many people would dispute that. Um Good passer, maybe not an elite one, but a good passer. Definitely a guy who can go get his own and an improving shooter. A lot to like, but probably not at MSU. Maybe sort of like the movie, right? He's just not that into you. Um, next would be Jerry Easter, 6'4 point guard from Toledo and plays at La Lu. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, he's uh, obviously a close guy uh, in Toledo, so possible target. Michigan State always recruits well in Ohio. This is the guy I would bet on as opposed to Acuff right now. Mm-hmm. He seems very enamored of Michigan State. There are other schools recruiting him. Ohio State's heavily involved, other Big Ten schools. But Jerry Easter is a guy MSU's been in on for a long time, and he's been a highly regarded guy nationally for a long time. He also played up um, this past year in EYBL. He played for all Ohio Red 17 and under this uh this spring summer in fact 
it, they didn't qualify for Peach Jam, so they played in something called Peach Invitational, which is kind of like the equivalent to the NIT for EYBL mm-hmm. teams. But he was second leading scorer in that event. And he got better as the EYB, EYBL season went along in terms of his offense, in terms of his shooting. It kind of reminds me, watching him, he's not, he's not nearly as stocky, but there are parts of his game that remind me some of A.J. Hogarth, honestly. I think he's a better shooter than A.J., but it's just he's big at, you know, 6'4"-ish, and, and yet he's a real point guard. He's not a combo guard. He can run your offense. So uh, the word is very positive on him, and I think Michigan State's likely to be in that one. Uh, as you said, he transferred to La Lu, um to play next year. That's been a place where Michigan State's recruited a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Um and it's relatively close. So again, that's a situation where you might be able to get Jerry Easter in on a quick unofficial visit in the winter, sure. as opposed to Darius Acuff playing in Florida. Is he in a relation? Wasn't there an Easter who played for Purdue? Or am I thinking of someone Eastern. else? Oh, Eastern. No, Joe Eastern. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. It's also a guy Michigan State recruited. And was also a big point guard. So, but yeah, not not the same. Uh, next would be Trent Sisley, six eight, uh, four, playing in uh, Indiana. He's planning on taking an official to Michigan State in uh, October on the seventh. Yeah, I really like Trent Sisley. He's a, again a guy who played up. He played. Uh, he was a teammate of uh, Jesse McCullough's on uh, Speed Cindy oh, okay. Heat, playing up a level for their seventeen under. He is to me a perfect example of a modern four man in the college game. He's six, eight, but he can shoot. He's physically strong. He's got some toughness to him. He can handle and pass the ball a little bit. There's a lot of skills. Um, but what I love most is he combines all of those with a great motor. He plays hard all the time. And that's what I'm sure as much as anything else has endeared him to Tom Izzo and why Michigan State's recruiting him this hard. So it was great. Michigan State got an official October 7th. They've they've had him up on campus for unofficials previously. So this is just a continuation of that relationship. But all three of the big-time Indiana schools, IU, Purdue, and Notre Dame, also are going to have him in for officials this fall. And it's a, it's going to be a tough recruitment. That one just feels, it just feels to me like the pull to stay home might be too much, but Michigan State is in there fighting, and that's a good thing because he's a kid worth fighting for, in my opinion. If they could get him, that would be a great addition. He's another one of these guys that he just, he epitomizes what Michigan State basketball has been about. You know, great addition to your house. Something important is to have some good gutters. It is the rainy season. Uh, we've had a lot of rain here, and you have to clear that water off away from your house so you don't have it pooling up by it like I used to. Uh, so make sure you have the right people doing that. People who only do that are the best choice, and those would be our sponsor, the Brothers Who Just Do Gutters. They do fantastic work here on the east and west side of the state. You've got Kurt and his team out in the Grand Rapids area all the way out to the lakeshore, and then you have Greg and his team in the metro Detroit area, and so... You can't miss with them. 10% off if you have them come by and check things out. Uh, They can do repair work. They can put in leaf guards. They can replace things. Or they just clean them out. So if you got all that junk in there and you don't want to go down the ladder and fall off and have someone have to take care of you, they're the guys you want to take care of, fully insured, 
they do things very quickly and uh wow i can't can't speak more highly enough they do a fantastic work and it'd be a mistake if you got to work and don't at least check out the brothers just you gutters brothersgutters.com you can find the contact information in the link below on their podcast player or on youtube if you're watching on youtube all right so next player is Bedara diacate diakite 610 top 30 player from connecticut and he came by east lansing in the summer according to jim Comperoni. Yeah, Jim Jim Camperoni at Spartan Mag indicated this was very much an under the radar visit. Um, Pretty good for six ten guy under the big, radar. Yeah, and he's top thirty guy. He's thin. He's only about two ten. So you definitely have some strength work to do. But um, interesting, they got him in on an unofficial. Um, you know, he's based in Connecticut, and UConn has offered and apparently is recruiting him heavily. So you'd expect that they'd be very serious competition. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't heard a lot of detail or any detail really other than that, but um, you know, it's just an example. I mean, we've got a lot of names on this list for 2025. (laughs) So Michigan state is casting a bit of a wider net than they used to traditionally. And I I think some of that may be uh, the impact of John Borovich who's come in as the recruiting coordinator. Mm -hmm. I think some of it is just Michigan state deciding that they need to do this. They want to do this um, to make sure that they're getting their kind of guys, both in terms of talent and mentality. So who knows, but um, definitely a name worth mentioning because he has, when they visit campus, that's the time to at least take it semi-seriously. You've got to imagine, I mean, obviously Michigan has a bigger, bigger name and profile than I think most Spartan fans really recognize outside of, you know, the state of Michigan, yeah. Midwest. Uh, but also, as you've mentioned before, you know, with the transfer portal being available, there's probably less opportunities for high school players coming in. And uh, you would think that it's going to allow the opportunity for Michigan State to get on recruitments that they ordinarily would not have been able to have, feel that they had, a, a, you know, a reason to, to have an expectation that they have a chance at or that it's worth putting resources into. All of that's true. And one other element, the introduction of NIL means that the recruitments that you looked at and said, well, it's a great kid. He might even be into our program, but we're never going to get him because these other schools are going to buy him. (laughs) It doesn't. And that's not to say that that doesn't, you know, you could still run into obviously recruitments where you're going up against a school that just decides they're going to spend more in NIL. Yeah, sure then you're willing to, you know, um, that can still happen. But I think on all the way around, you would judge the introduction of NIL as at least slightly a net positive for Tom Izzo. I don't think it's the major reason that they've been recruiting well lately, but I, I don't think it's zero factor either. Yeah. Well, it's probably like for facilities, right? I mean, the facilities are good, and now yep. you add an NIL program that is that compensates players well, and so it just shows that you're just serious about the, the sport, it, your school. It, it shows that you're serious, and it also removes negatives. Yeah, right. It might not be the reason you get someone, but um, it removes it as a reason for them not to come. You know, there's still all the other stuff, you know, it's always gone on in recruitment where they'd just be a kid that just doesn't, you know, he really doesn't like to play for a coach who's going to yell Yep. or there's something about those. And usually this is bullshit. 
that's usually stuff that's used by people who have an anti-Michigan State bias to begin with to dissuade a kid from coming. But there might be something systemically they don't like about the way that Michigan State plays, you know. Um, there's lots of legitimate reasons for it, but you're eliminating some of these reasons that used to be bigger problems that aren't. All right, so now we'll move on to 610 center Francis Chukwudubulu, Dubulu, uh, top 100 center from Texas. And again, this is just another example of players. Who, now, if Texas is not a state that's yet in the Big Ten footprint, and I just say yet, so who knows who's, what's coming next. Several big-time schools are involved, Kansas, Arkansas, LSU, others. Um, but MSU's in serious contact, and he's actually been to campus too. He was here unofficially last fall. Um, not quite as highly regarded as uh, Diet Kaite, but um, still a top 100 guy and a lot of potential. Um, again, a player who probably needs to add some good weight, but um, a name certainly worth keeping in mind. And, and, and I should say with a lot of these guys, we're going to go through so many names in the 25 class. We're really probably talking about getting to next winter or even spring, probably spring before it will become a hundred percent certain as to who Michigan state is really focused right. on where the, and who's vice the versa. games are going to and following more. These closely. are all yeah. names where MSU has offered kids or they've had them in on on officials. And there's reason to think that they they will be recruited, but who ends up being heavily recruited is another issue. Well, speaking of someone who's had some unofficial visits to Michigan state, the next player is Jordan Scott, six, five wing for Virginia. Yep. And he got his offer this summer. Yeah, he's been to MSU unofficially multiple times. Finally got an offer this summer. Top 100 player, and Michigan State seems to really like him. Uh, UVA, Virginia Tech are also involved, as are others. But this one has for a while felt like it's a recruitment that Michigan State can be very serious in. And he's a guy whose reputation continues to grow. Uh, he's now a top 100 player. He was when they were first interested in him, he was outside the top 100. Um, a lot of people think he has the potential to go even higher as a in terms of the rankings. So definitely a name to watch. Next is a top uh, six, four, top 50 wing from Florida, Alex Lloyd. And, uh, you know, again, the national approach to Michigan State's recruitment here. You know, they've, they've been in consistent contact with him, although there's no indication of an offer yet, whereas he does have offers from a lot of the in-state schools, Florida, Florida State, FAU, Miami. Mm -hmm. uh, this is one that I would think at the point that he gets an offer and or visits, you start to take it more seriously. But for now, it feels like even though he says they've been in consistent contact with him, it feels like there are other names they're a little more heavily involved with, but definitely a guy with real potential to be ranked where he is. Um, so another name to kind of keep your keep your eye on. And then a familiar name one we've talked about before, 6'3 combo guard Jeremiah Fears, younger brother of Jeremy Fears, who's had an MSU offer for quite some time. Uh, but it sort of has felt like he's looking elsewhere and he's not the uh, brother draw is not as strong as maybe someone had hoped. Yeah, you know, he, he's announced that uh, he's going to commit on January 13th. And more recently, his father indicated on, I think it was on an Illinois message board, it was an Illinois site, that 
it's very possible. You might even want to use the word likely that he um, reclassifies to 2024. Mm. Now, what's interesting about that from a Michigan State perspective is you want to add guards in the 24 class. <laughs> yeah, right. So that, that might be a good fit. But I just, when I've watched him play, like watching Jeremy Fears play, he played like a Michigan State classic point guard all day long. He's defensively tough. He's physical. He's a leader. Um, all those elements that we associate with you know guys like Mateen Cleaves, he's got. Jeremiah is a very different kind of player, and that's not to say he's not as good. Some people might say he might even be better. I, I don't know. But he's he's a combo guard, but I think he's much more of a scorer. He's just, he's a kid that I have to admit watching him play in high school with his brother. I didn't always love his shot selection. He can make tough shots at times, but he did not seem to fit the standard Michigan state mold the way that his older brother does as much. I tend to think with the reclassification uh, and it seems like the conventional wisdom is Illinois is probably the team to beat. And some may remember there was a lot of that feeling around Jeremy at a certain point too, before supposedly Illinois decided they didn't want to take his commitment because they didn't have faith in him as a shooter. And you see where they are now, where they're trying to have a power forward play point guard. That's what that gets you. Uh, but uh for now, I'm going to assume Jeremiah Fears probably doesn't end up at Michigan State. It's never felt like that was likely. Um, Michigan's also involved in this one, too, so we'll see there. But if I were going to bet right now, I'd probably, if I had to bet, I'd probably bet on Illinois. Next is Jalen Har- Harrelson, 6'6", wing from Indiana, plays at LaLu. He has already set up an official for Michigan State and along with the other Indiana Big Ten schools. Yeah, with IU and Purdue, right? Big time player, you know, he's been a national top 10 ish kind of guy for a couple of years now in his class. And I, you know, Michigan State has recruited him steadily. The fact they've got an official set up for the fall is great. Um, I don't know, you know, there was a lot of hype on him about a year ago that, well, he's got that size, but he could legitimately pay, play point guard. Right. And I, I watched him play some. He was another teammate, although with Trent Sizer, he was another teammate of Jesse McCullough's playing up a year for Indy Spice Heat. I was not impressed with him as a, I mean, he's got a handle, but I didn't see a point guard in him. I saw a power wing. Yeah. Um, definitely a very skilled player, good athlete, got a Big Ten ready body right now. All those things are big positives. I've never, I've always felt like this was probably an Indiana recruitment, to be honest, but Michigan state's in there fighting and you know, that's a good thing. They're, they're competing with him. So um, we'll see, but for right now, uh, I, it doesn't feel to me like he's the most likely guy on the board, but they're in it. Uh, then next we'll go to Cole Pete, six, nine power four from Arizona, top 10 national guy offered this summer by Michigan state. Uh, but, and of course, with his, where he stands, he's got offers from all over all kinds of big, the big schools. Yeah. This is a who's who, you know, Duke, UNC, <laughs> Kentucky, Arizona, uh, his young, his older brother, Cassius Pete. Some people may remember 
committed to Mark D'Antonio and played a year at Michigan State before he he transferred out. So there is some family um, relationship with Michigan State, but there's this is a family where there are a lot of football players and they've gone to a lot of different schools. So it's not like Michigan State's unique in that way. Mm-hmm. I think this is one where he a very, very good player, clearly. But if Michigan State gets an official, then yeah, you start to get excited. But until that happens, or, or gets a visit, rather, then yeah, you get excited. But until that happens, probably, um, you know, you, you can't take it that seriously. Yeah. Uh, then be Kai Rogers, 6'10", 240-pound big from Wisconsin, top 100 player in his class. Yeah, though again, he's another one along with Scott that I think there's a feeling uh, that I've sensed that he might be a little underrated and he may end up considerably higher by the time it's all said and done. Uh, Wisconsin's prioritized him, obviously, but a lot of the Big Ten and Midwest is involved. Uh, he's already been to Michigan State unofficially last season, uh, but they seem to be serious about him. So he's another name I would definitely watch among uh, big men recruits. And finally, Josan Sanna, a 6'5 wing from New England, a top 40 player. He gives me, not entirely, I'm not sure that he's the three-point shooter that Curtain is, but he reminds he's from the same part of the country, so that's an easy comparison to make. But very accomplished mid-range player. He looks physically ready to go at the collegiate level. Um, a guy Michigan State's been definitely heavily interested in uh, to my knowledge, he hasn't visited yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if they get a visit sometime soon. So another one of these myriad names to watch. I mean, we've we've talked about what is it? Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen names. Yeah, for just in the twenty twenty five class. Yeah. yeah, that's there's a lot of players in the mix. You know, <laughs> yeah, this will sort out. I've always wondered this one before before we wrap up here, just one quick question. So, you know, you see Michigan State, if you look at this list of those fifteen players, they have offers on a lot of them, not all of them, but a decent amount. What happens if these players start accepting like I, I've always wondered what that how that works out because you know, let's say you get a six ten guy, another six eleven guy, and then a six ten guy. I mean, would is a at some point does Michigan State call those guys and say, All right, we have two commitments, you're off our board now? I mean, is that how that usually works? So you don't accidentally get you know, four centers? There's a, there's a, there's a combination of things. There can be situations where, you know, kids are informed, look, we got one scholarship and you know, it's between you and another guy and that happens, you know, um, there are also, there's also the, there are offers and then there are offers kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. And you're never quite sure where that, you know, this is, this is where, you can't always take the stuff that gets said publicly at face value. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a little, you know, you would know, I just mentioned the Jeremy fears situation, you know, the story to Illinois, he had an offer from them, but supposedly the story was they refused to take his commitment when he wanted to make it. I'm not sure I believe that entirely, but that was the story that got put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tend to disbelieve it because I would think if that had happened, um, his brother probably wouldn't be recruitable <laughs> right. by them. You know, you would think the father would have said, that's it. Um, but 
uh, that those situations do happen where a guy, I'll, I'll give you the all time, the all time example of this, believe it or not, is Draymond Green. Draymond Green wanted to commit to Michigan State. God, I want to say it was before his junior year. So the point that these guys were talking about in the 25 class were, and Michigan State wouldn't take the commitment. And that led to him going through the process where, if you remember, he committed to Kentucky, but then Tubby Smith left to go to Minnesota. So his recruitment got reopened again, and he eventually came back to Michigan State. Thank God for everybody. <laughs> yeah, right. But that was one where I have it on pretty good authority that he tried to commit to Michigan State, and they were not ready to accept the commitment. Interesting. So it happens. All right, well, I think we'll wrap it up there. As you mentioned, we had three players from the 2024 and 15 <laughs> from the 2025 class. And, of course, who is available or on the team at that point for 2025? I mean, that's there's no way you could predict that at this point. Uh, so it's not even, not even worth speculating at this point sort of what the roster is going to look like after next year. Um, again, a reminder to check out nudgeprinting.com, final four in the coupon code to get 20% off your order. You can get a $5 gift card to nudge printing. If you take a screenshot of a written review on your podcast player, email it to me at Eric at TFF And then I'll get you that $5 coupon that you can use even with your discount of 20%. Also check out the brothers at just two gutters. If you have any gutter work that you need on your house or business and, uh, Finally, just a reminder, too, that if you're interested in sponsoring the show and getting in front of a bunch of rabid Michigan State fans, feel free to get a hold of me at eric at tffinots.com and we can try and work something out because we'd love to have the Spartan community grow and for the show to continue to survive and thrive. All right. Well, until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. Go green.